What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. We got Jace Jumpers, Jaron Jackson Jr., John Morantz, Joe Johnson, Jaw Raps, of course. We've got Jace. We got him for days. Josh, how do? I'm glad to see you survive Sports Mageddon. That's what I'm calling yesterday. Sports Mageddon? Yeah. A sneaky, like. Historic is an obnoxious word, but it might be that might be the the right way to describe it. It went from hey, it's just NBA free agency to which is already a fun day in general. It's not like it was a super quiet day without you know just a phys, you know a shift fundamentally in the way conferences work in college athletics. And then you have Kevin Durant, of course, that you know the Nets gave up an arm and a leg basically for. You know, to go win a championship with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, and instead they won one playoff series. Not one championship, one playoff series in three years. And now Kevin Durant wants out, and now we have this, yeah, monstrosity of a day. And it all started with my personal favorite story of the day. I don't know if you've seen this, but I was going to ask you until all this other stuff happened. Mm-hmm. Did you see this? what this caller into a New York radio station alleged about Nick Sirianni? I did that. He they got into a fight with him, right? Or that, he, he, or that Nick Sirianni wanted to fight him. Allegedly wanted to fight him because he didn't like the guy's Giants hat. I find that really, yes, really, really I, hard to believe. I do too. My question off of this, I was captivated by the story. Of course, this sure. is. I mean, if true, Nick Sirianni is a true Philly legend already. Right. But and I, I want the details. I, I really, really want to know what actually happened because I think there's some truth, but it's some sort of exaggeration. Sure. Anyway, my question for you is: What college basketball coach? Is the person who had had that story come out about them? <laughs> Mick Cronin? I could see that. Yeah. Not not like a USC hat on the golf uh, on a, the a Chris court. Mack? That was one of the first ones that came to mind for me. The other I thought I had was Calvin Sampson. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those would probably be my top three. Chris Mack and Mick Cronin are kind of like, they occupy the same space in yeah, my sure, head. Sure, sure. Of that sort of like death stare with a bald head kind of thing going on. Um. Yeah, and, that's, and Chris Mack is no stranger to general confrontation to con- to general in the college basketball world. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, I'm glad we were thinking. Yeah, about those it. would probably be my. Those would probably be my two. We're, yeah, we're I can't. I can't really think of anybody else. I like Chris Mack. I think I've settled on Chris Mack being the one. <laughs> being the one for that. That is. That is laugh out loud funny though. I. Really, we need more information. It, Important journalism needs to be done. It, and and truly unfortunate that it that didn't dominate headlines. Yeah, oh, yesterday. I was I was all ready to go, captivated, had my great story for the day, and then right, we get you know the destruction of college athletics as we know. And then Kevin Durant says, "Hold my beer, I'm, I'm going to get in on this too." Right. Uh, so USC and UCLA. Yeah. Big Big Ten programs, Josh. Bold. If you say so. Well. Well, I think. I think that they they'd like to have a word with you about whether or not they're big te- they're big te- ten schools now. Uh, yesterday, uh, Thursday night, we're recording this at twelve forty five on Friday. Big Ten added two more schools, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like there wasn't a ton of talk about this, right? No, it very much seemed to come out of the blue. No. Now, now the reporting comes and it sounds like this has been a couple weeks in the right, works. Right, right. But, right, the idea of all of a sudden, you had heard a little bit about the Oklahoma, Texas right. stuff. And it was, 
you were kind of bracing for the official move. Right. This was not that. And, I would agree with and you. And that's what I that's what I was going to say next because and and it just makes sense to, to, to compare and contrast the move of Oklahoma and Texas with the move of USC and UCLA. Of course, Oklahoma and Texas on their way to uh, to the SEC, which I read yesterday actually that the timeline of the Big Twelve of the Big Twelve sort of starting their new era as a conference and the timeline of Texas and Oklahoma actually starting play in the SEC is a one year difference. The more realistic timeline is no longer 2023 for Texas and Oklahoma. It was 20 it's 2024, which would make for a very very weird Big 12 <laughs> season. But uh, that that aside, we we were kind of in on Oklahoma and Texas that that process when they applied, right? It kind of, the news kind of broke that Texas and Oklahoma were going to apply mm-hmm. for membership in you know the Southeastern Conference. And instead of that, and then we kind of followed along, and it was kind of waiting for the ball to drop that the SEC had had um, approved their application, and they'll be joining the SEC. This is this is a done deal, like unanimous, unanimously voted by Big Ten uh, chancellors and presidents to bring USC and UCLA into uh, into the Big Ten. That's kind of where this is different. This has kind of been quiet, and now it's official, right? And instead of instead of kind of be being along for the process, just came in, out in about of twelve hours. Right, it went from this sounds like it's happening to this is done and dusted. We might have a press conference. Right, we'll which, see you in twenty twenty four. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so can I get because there there are a lot of there are a lot of different ways to look at this because this is not that while this is fundamentally the same thing that happened with Texas and Oklahoma. I think there are a a hefty amount of differences here. Um, your first, where does your mind go first when you see this on on Twitter, when you see the breaking news? Where does it go first in terms of your your initial reactions? Just disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> in fair. the Big Ten Conference, in USC and UCLA, in the state of college athletics, Do we just not care about regional things anymore? Because clearly not. Clearly not. No. I, I I was okay with the Texas Oklahoma thing. Yeah. To me, this is very very different. I was just. I guess if I could sum it up in one word, disgusted. This is why you name your conference something that's not geographical, <laughs> exactly. so that you can just add teams right. and it'd be like, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, no, no, the SEC did it, and they brought in two, you know, South Southwest teams but you know i can i didn't really care for the move that texas and oklahoma made because mostly i just really like the way that the big 12 is right yes. now especially for college basketball and, you know a lot of these conversations revolve around football which is part of the issue here right because it's it's easy for you know the program for big 10 football programs to charter a flight once a week, you know, twice a year max yep. for, you know, all of the original Big Ten schools to fly out to, to California right. and play a game. It's much more difficult, A, for USC and UCLA, but what about the Olympic sports that USC mm-hmm. and UCLA play? Um, the the UCLA women's softball team played 61 games this year. 61. Yep. So in theory, and I don't know how many games they played in conference, but it's, you know, 25, 2025. 20, yeah. And now um, some of that is set up, you know, tournaments down south at the beginning of the season and 
But but when it comes to conference play, most of it is not. Right, right, right. Most you of it, it is. Yeah. You're playing. You're flying somewhere and playing a three game right. series. Right. And that just gets super super strenuous yep. on teams that play a lot more than one game a week. Yeah. Or and my thing was even specifically thinking about a sport like soccer because right okay softball baseball you're going to do a lot of traveling but you're also going to set up camp for three days uh-huh. or two days depending sure. on the schedule. We're going to have you know. UCLA's women's soccer team flying over to College Park, Maryland on a Wednesday night mm-hmm. as USC gets what, ready to welcome Rutgers mm-hmm. for a Thursday night 29, men's soccer 2,900 2, miles, by the way. Right. Between so between LA and Rutgers. Right. And you are there exclusively to play a two-hour game and then leave. Yeah. So I almost argue, or in, in basketball in particular as well, because you're going... So many different places so quickly, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to, okay, we play Iowa at home. Then we're going to go play at UCLA. Mm-hmm. And then we've got at Rutgers the next weekend. And then we're going to play, let's say this team is Nebraska. And then we're going to, you know, host Michigan or something. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, there's already a lot of travel. But that was the thing I tweeted is, you know, nothing says we care about our student athletes and their education. Like scheduling games 2,900 miles apart in the right. middle of the school week. Right. Which is what's going to happen. Sure. And at this point, we just need to let the ship sail on right. the we actually care about right. the, the student Right, not that this was a, a turning athlete. point right. in that conversation. Right. Um, but it, in, in this conversation kind of revolves around a lot of things. You know, this a lot of college athletic conversations kind of come back to this idea of the way college athletics are represented and that they function now best serve half a percent of college athletes. If that. If that. Yeah. And when we go from and at the Division One level, and then when you go deeper and deeper, it's even smaller percentage than that. Because a very, very small portion of college athletes are going to play whatever sport they play in college professionally. And... You know, even further than that, you know, there's a there's a larger percentage who would like to play it professionally, but still the over overwhelming majority don't want to play it professionally. They want to play it in college, and then they want to move on with their lives and do whatever it is they're studying to do. So the point being is that you know what it's 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 not that big of a deal for um for Hunter Dickinson to travel across the country over and over and over again to play right. college hoops. It's just not that big of a deal for him because, A, he could not touch a pencil all semester, and Michigan's basketball program is going to make sure that Hunter Dickinson passes his classes so that he can play. That's that's just and the it reality of the situation. And it also just doesn't prevent you from passing classes. Right. In him. Right. There's a way to do it. Right. But the point being is that there's not a... Th- right. you, that, the 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 highest of the highest of college athletes right. who are going to schools not Hunter Dickinson necessarily but there are plenty of college athletes who are playing sports at a university that if it was just for their academics they would not have gotten into and the the pressure academically is just not quite there especially for a guy that maybe it's one year maybe it's two years maybe it's all four years but then they're going to go play professional sports yeah. somewhere and just frankly. The plan is for them to not have to use that education. That's right, the plan. Right. 
for people whose plan it is to use that education, whether that means you know, into the workforce right after school ends, whether that's going to business school, whether that's going to medical school, whatever it is, those grades actually matter. And and the pressure is higher on, you know, the, the, the smaller sports because they just typically, the smaller the sport, the fewer guys, the fewer people in that, you know, playing that sport are trying to play a professional. Right. And, and that's, you know, the, Unfortunately, the reality of the situation, but when we make moves like this, we're making moves with football in mind more than anything else. First of all, football is king and not for, you know, not an accurate representation of the majority of the college athletes and maybe UCLA and USC, you know, both out like they're the elite athletes coming in and out of every pro sports program that they have, you know, under the athletic program. But still, the point is the same, that it puts a lot of pressure on a lot of different people, um, and it goes far beyond this idea of eh, they'll fly across the country for one football game a week. Big deal, right. right? And the Big Ten will tell you it specifically targeted these two schools because of their academic prestige. No, eh. I, I, it, it is wrong. Part part of it. I don't think. It, I do think that there's some. No, no, no. I'm not saying that's why they're coming. I'm saying. Part of the that the Big Ten was not going to go get any two programs that these two programs from every standpoint fit academically and of course primarily the LA market mm-hmm. and what this is going to do financially. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's money first. I'm not trying to say they went and said we're going to go get some great academic institutions to add to our. But right, these are on the Michigan Northwestern level in terms of that was part of this is they fit the. Whenever the Big Ten, it seems like, based on what I've read, when the Big Ten was talking about expansion, mm-hmm. that was something they were looking at. Is this the need to fit into what we're doing academically? Sure. Just to throw that out there. Yes, I, it's it's money in <laughs> LA first and foremost, not trying to get that twisted. The other part of this, can we just step back for a minute and talk about what the Big Ten did to their supposed ally? Which supposed ally? The, the Pac-12. Oh, the Pac-12, yeah. There was in alliance formed to stop this from happening mm-hmm. and the big 10 said yeah but then and, they crunched the numbers and saw how right. much money well, and, and UCLA and USC said hey yeah. what's up yeah how are you doing yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and big 10 said come on in right and the the biggest issue i have with all this is this idea of and it, this is, sounds like kind of what it's coming out of the big 10 sources is look it was going this way anyway, so it was either we do this now mm-hmm. or we're going to pay a price down the road. Right. That... But to me, this is the tipping point. You can survive. You had the Big 12 reorganized already. You can. The SEC was always going to win because the SEC is college football. You're not going to beat the SEC. So it doesn't matter for the Big 10 if Oklahoma and Texas go to the SEC. But now all of a sudden... You have just about every premier program in the country in these two conferences. And the Big Ten's not done. It mm. sounds like the Big Ten's going to go to 16, which I would have to imagine is going to include Oregon, too. Right? Because I am I was trying to think of other programs that move the needle that are not in these two conferences now. Oregon, Oregon and the because, and, because and of Nike. Nike mm-hmm. Right? Duke and North Carolina, mm-hmm. which Duke's football. Clemson. Yes, but only because of recent success. That's fine. They moved the needle they moved now the, on the football side of things. Yes. They are now a football powerhouse. I just don't see that as 
they to me they still don't have the same national brand as a an Oregon, a Duke, a North Carolina, a UCLA, a USC. Sure. So there's a, there's a difference, but right. I mean, and that's all you're talking about. And if you're talking about other programs to come into these conferences, you'd have to think eventually Clemson ends up in the SEC. So to me, this is this was the point where the Big Ten could have stepped in and said, "No, we're going to do what's in the best interest of the entire country and the NCAA," and not necessarily just avoid expanding altogether. Mm. But they knew exactly what they were doing, because now. We're asking the same questions about the Pac-12. We were the Big 12, which is, so what do you do? And they have enough teams left, but they cannot compete. Even if Oregon stays, they can't compete with the Big 10 and the SEC. Which means, at this point, now is when it's a, well, you got to get on the, the boat before it sinks. Right. If you're Clemson, if you're Duke, if you're North Carolina. And, you know, the ACC has this protection of rights thing. I'm forgetting the official terminology where if you leave the conference before I think it's 2036, you forfeit your broadcast rights. So maybe this takes a while. Mm-hmm. But that was the real frustrating, disappointing part of this for me. I, I didn't. Big Ten's going to point to going to point to Oklahoma and Texas and say this is the SEC's fault. We're just mm-hmm. doing what we have to to survive, and that's just not true. No, they went for the money and the home run and looked out for their own interest, which they have every right to do. But I just don't see any world in which this doesn't end up being becoming a two-conference entity. Right. At least from a basketball and football standpoint. And then what are we doing? I. Well, what what's going to happen is you'll eventually get, to, and I guess to a certain extent, you'll just kind of have these the you know the SEC, the Big Ten, and then every other important school. On the West Coast, they'll all become one conference. And then all the important schools on the other side of the country will become one conference. And to a certain extent, the Pac-12 and the ACC are kind of already of that. Right. But maybe it's, you know, adding your, you know, the BYUs of the world for... Well, BYUs are already in the Big 12. Oh, right. Mm. Right. There is a, a sort of, to use a soccer term, a promotion. So maybe it's Big 12 and Pac-12 just joining. You got too many teams, though. So? Yeah, I mean, that's the... That was the thought that came into my head, and I just... I also despise these massive conferences from a scheduling standpoint. We've Mm. talked about that before. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there are enough teams to go around to make this work, but it completely changes the entire concept of... Because in what world... Are you going to get one AC? Sorry, one Big Ten and one SEC team into the college football playoff every every year? That's not going to happen. It's going to be at least three of the four spots from those two conferences, mm-hmm. if not all four, mm-hmm. because of the difficulty of the schedule and the lack of difficulty of a schedule. These other conferences. That was the whole idea behind this alliance. Mm-hmm. The Big Ten, the Pac-12, the ACC. We're going to play each other out of conference. We're going to elevate themselves and work to continue to keep a balance and check the SEC. Mm-hmm. And now that's just up in flames. I will always look at this because I only see it going one way. And to me, the Big Ten is the... And UCLA and USC are the people that have to answer for that. Mm -hmm. I don't... don't, It's two conferences. Now you're going to still have the same Big Ten tournament. But again, what are we talking about? Ten Big Ten teams getting in? Yeah. It's a sixth of the field, pretty much. 
And so to me, there there was a way where, okay, if the Big Ten wants to expand a little bit and the Pac-12 wants to reinforce and the Big 12 wants to reinforce, mm. there is sort of a promotion that could happen, which is what you saw in the Big 12, right? Okay, Oklahoma and Texas leave. That's a big deal, it's, right? It's the top end of that conference. But what do you do? You bring in, to lack of a better phrase, the best of the rest. Mm-hmm. There are programs up there that are elevating themselves that could, in theory, eventually join these conferences to keep them balanced mm-hmm. and to give you a little more reach, you know, a little more diversity in terms of teams. But it just doesn't matter because, you know, Central Florida, for example, could very well end up as an ACC team. That makes all the sense in the world. Mm-hmm. That's not doing anything to stop the fact that you have Michigan, Ohio State, USC, UCLA, Oklahoma, Texas, Alabama, Auburn, am I missing? LSU, Florida, Florida, all Florida in two State. conferences. <laughs> no, sorry, not Florida. Georgia, and Georgia. Yeah. Right? You're talking about basically every team that's competing for a national championship mm-hmm. on the football side. And on the basketball side, you're Pretty close, too. Mm-hmm. Now, you still have your Villanovas and Gonzagas. and fascinating to see what Big Gen- East in general. Right. Fascinating to see what Gonzaga does here, mm-hmm. by the way, eventually. Yeah. But just to me, and I don't know how you feel, this is the tipping point where we've reached the point of no return, and now it's every school, every conference for yourself. Nobody is working together anymore because the Big Ten committed to work with the other power conferences to keep this somewhat balanced, mm. and then... The minute they saw a good opportunity to expand themselves from the Atlantic to the Pacific, they said, come on down. I'm not exactly surprised. No, not not at all. Because when you look at it, right, this is this all comes back to the same conversation of which guy can make the most money right. from college athletics. Like, right. that's just kind of where... And how can you best serve your conference? Right. And, or if you're a, a school, how can you best serve your school? Right. And you just in with with one move, the Big Ten turned themselves from a regional conference into an a national conference yep. that caters to um, that that either is in or around New York, Chicago, and LA. Yep, that's what they did. Right, and and even you throw and, Washington D.C. in there too. And and we can and and like, do I despise the way that? College athletics is trending fundamentally, yes, with every fiber of my being. But when you take out the context and describe it simply as, yeah, this business had an opportunity to expand into the three biggest markets in the United States, it's really, really hard to, like, from a business perspective, which is what this all is, to, to... like tell them it was the wrong move to be upset right. about it right. absolutely but it's the you know it's the same conversation with are you allowed to be upset you're allowed to be upset with the NCAA rules but you're not allowed to be upset with a team or program that broke the rules in a very clear manner when it's very clear what the rules are right you're allowed to be upset with the move that the Big Ten is making and fundamentally you're right we'd love for you know the, a conference that is not in any way shape or form hurting to kind of take take a stand for the for college athletics before they take a stand for the Big Ten. Right. Especially when they kind of, when the initial messaging was that they are trying to take a stand for college athletics. Yeah. But ultimately, 
it's really really hard to like fault them or tell them they're that they're wrong when they were able to do what they were able to do oh yeah i mean it's a it solidifies the big 10 as the second conference moving forward and i don't and i don't know what right because i mean and maybe this just kind of ends up where we I, in in right we still got a couple years to see how this all works but i'm not i'm not entirely sure how much more movement is left to be done Notre Dame's going to end up somewhere. Perhaps, yeah. And then I think you. My my thing is, and maybe I'm wrong about. But this. you're pretty. But we're pretty into your point. Like all of the football powerhouses are now in those two conferences, and this is what drives everything. Right. Right. I mean, yes, Notre Dame. We're we're still probably waiting on for yeah. them to end up somewhere, but also. It wouldn't completely stun me if Notre Dame, especially if there's like an expansion of the college football playoff, which I think might come of this as well, because those two conferences that will completely stir the pot will be like, hey, we had like nine of the 11 best teams uh, or, you know, we had five of the six best teams. So let's go have them play each other again. Right. So let's have an 18. Yeah, right. So if there's an expansion then I'm not sure Notre Dame has as much of an incentive to try and get into a conference as a you know with their football program but the the flip side to that is now if they go to the Big 10 they can play Michigan, USC, they can play all of their traditional rivals in a conference format. They can basically do what they've been doing already. But sure. We'll we'll see. The other thing I wanted to touch on real quickly and you right. I, at the end of the day I get it. I would I I just wish somebody would look out for somebody other than themselves, but mm. that doesn't happen. Yeah, okay, Josh. Yeah, right. I, it doesn't happen, so, you know. I got you a storm shelter. I'll come and get you when uh, when that actually happens. <laughs> hey, yeah, I, I very much accepted a long time ago that's just not going to happen. So right. I'm not, none of this surprised me or shakes me to my core. The, other, <laughs> the part of this I do find interesting as a potential negative, and then I just don't have that much else to say on this. I think we've pretty much covered it. I was thinking about this because it, part of it, it's it's a very, it's a it's an earth shattering move that has a pretty simple explanation. Right, exactly. <laughs> then you just go, well, yeah. I mean, that's why. Right. The, the part of this I do find interesting from the Big Ten is right. So much of this is about okay, broadcast deals, and you look at the ratings and how well the Big Ten is doing compared to the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. And certainly, some of that is the markets and the teams the Big Ten has. Part of that is also. Nobody's watching USC and Washington at 10.30 on a Friday night. Mm. Mm. Or USC, sorry, UCLA, Oregon at 11 p.m. on a Saturday night for college basketball purposes. Mm. I am interested in how this works, bringing two teams from the Pacific time zone in. Because... I mean, are USC and, and UCLA going to start playing, keep, keeping on college basketball again for a second, going to start playing their home games at 4 p.m. local time? 5 p.m. local time? All of a sudden, you've got Michigan at UCLA starting at at least 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. for Michigan fans. That If this doesn't, I don't want to say doesn't work, I mean, it's going to work. But if there's a downside to it, and there's a price to pay. To me, it's that. And the very simple rebuttal is that nobody's got a bedtime on Saturday night. This could also be a Tuesday night game. Right, but that's what I'm saying, is that nobody cares about the college basketball games on Tuesday night. This is about Go, right. the games being played on Saturday. Right. And and you can play it at, at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. There are ways to do it. 
But that's what I. But that's what I, I would say that the Big Ten doesn't care about that Michigan UCLA game at eleven at ten o'clock on a Tuesday night. And I would generally agree. My other, but I'm also thinking about it from a primetime perspective. Right, of, and that's what I'm saying. It's much easier. Like they need that one game in primetime every week, and all they care about. And the biggest when we get to the point where the biggest. Big Ten conference games are being played. You can also play those on Saturdays for the college basketball schedule. Right, right, right. I'm thinking even from a football standpoint of, I mean, I guess it's going to be an 8 p.m. then 5 p.m. Eastern, and that that works for a Saturday. And I'm thinking, and generally, I'm I'm sure we'll see a lot of three o'clock slot um, yeah, on CBS starting at 12:30 on yeah. out on the West Coast. Yeah, and the other part of it is that. Like, are are we sure any of the biggest Big Ten football games in the next three years are going to include either of those two teams? Or yeah. after, you know, sorry, starting in 2024? USC's maybe. got an argument. USC has an argument every year for yeah. the last 20 well, years, or for the last 10, and they've been pretty irrelevant. They have, a co- they have a coach who has appearances in the college football playoff now. Okay. They have an argument. A better one than they've had recently. But yeah, look, there's a way around. None of this is... I was looking for something mm-hmm. as a potential negative. <laughs> it makes scheduling a little bit more complicated. Sure. But is that a, a price you're willing to pay? Of course, for all all you're getting. Big 10. Now we're at, what, 16 teams in the Big 10 now? Yes. Right, we were at 14, 16. I guess this is 16. Yeah. Maybe it gets even bigger than that. Maybe we see a couple teams nudged out. Yeah, I guess I had in my mind that would mean more inclusions, but you're right. This is 16. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wild. Anything else in this? Yeah. The Big Ten has 16. The Big 12 is, what, still 10? The Big um, 12 is still 10. Oh, eventually. Eventually, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, you know. It's a downside. Shouts to, to, the double ra- shouts to the double round, Robin. But they did pick numbers. They said Big Ten has 16. They don't care. Maybe they'll call it the Big 16. I mean, I've always wondered if they would rebrand that way. Maybe at some point I want somebody to just rebrand themselves to the conference. <laughs> the big conference. You know, like the Ohio State, you know, the, the U. Conference. The U. Like there's a million universities in this country and Miami is the, the U. U. Right. At some point we just need a rebranding to the conference. So, you know, now it's, you know, on CBS. Oh, yeah, the, what, what time is, is the conference championship? Oh, yeah, it's at 3 o'clock It's the CBS. conference conference championship yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, at, I mean, we're moving to a point where, there you know, these two conferences are that important that it, yeah. that maybe that just, that, that might just make the most sense. But um, anything else? Uh, on the, I do want to mention this quickly. Uh, on the bright side for, for smaller college athletic departments, Amani Bates is going home. Yeah, how do, what do we make of this? I guess I'm not as shocked as everybody else is. I I think it's all in the context of what Amani Bates's like amateur slash pre NBA career was supposed to, to be, be and what it's turning out to. Yeah, yeah. And and I don't know if it's just he couldn't get like he couldn't find anybody to give him as much money as he wanted to in college or and, what. And it just wasn't anybody that seemed particularly right, but, interesting. But that's what I was gonna say is that Amani Bates went from like this talked about for five years before he got to college recruit and now it's he was like this he was his team he played for as a freshman was better when he was hurt or off the floor at memphis 
and now he's playing at Eastern Michigan, which, you know, I hope he averages 25, 6, and 6 next year and is a lottery pick in the NBA draft. That would be great for Imani. But from what we've seen so far, I would predict a Pat Baldwin Jr. type of it's, season before I would predict a Steph Curry's type season. It's interesting that he is it's not the same conference, obviously, but doing that exactly after right after mm-hmm. Pat Baldwin did. I mean, because the teams you were hearing were, you know, Seton Hall, Louisville seemed to be very... Everybody said he was going to Louisville, and then he mm-hmm. just apparently wasn't. Right. DePaul, and then Michigan State kind of got roped into it, but... I saw somebody make the case, and I would agree. I think that bridge was burned mm-hmm. when he decommitted from the first right. place. Tom Izzo's not. Tom Izzo's not about to go back re-recruiting this guy after his season in Memphis. Yeah, probably not. And everything that comes with him. Mm. And so all of a sudden, it got into a spot where you didn't have that many teams genuinely interested. Mm. And it sounded like and there was a little bit of Michigan too, but it was never. It was just never a thing. It was kind of, well, that's an interesting collection of schools. And so I don't know if maybe this is partially because I'm from that area and mm-hmm. understand to a degree how big of a deal Monty Bates was in high school in terms of local support. And mm-hmm. that that seems to be at least how he's selling this mm-hmm. is I'm going back to the people that have always been there for me. I think part of that is he didn't like his other options. Right. But I, I think it could work. To me, if there's a spot to... I would almost rather, if I'm him, do this where nobody's going to talk about it if I struggle again. Because mm-hmm. we were paying attention to Pat Baldwin Jr. The only way we talk about you is if you're elite. Bingo. If he changes the conversation, it's going to be in a positive way. Right. As opposed to if he goes to, okay, so Louisville, you've got a fairly high-profile new coach coming in and Kenny Payne. Nolan Smith is on the staff now. Mm-hmm. You're in the ACC. Mm-hmm. DePaul is at least in the Big East and regularly broadcast on Fox mm-hmm. or the Fox. The Fox. The Fox properties, I should say. So there's there's that part of it. So I, I like this from just about every angle. It's a, it is a commentary on, how, of course, how far he's fallen. You think he gets drafted if the 2023 draft was tomorrow? Yes. Probably. I'm not seeing him on here. Shouts to NBADraft.net. I don't see him, but that's not Is this just first round? No, it's full. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anywho. Not important right now. I just thought I... Chris Murray? Yeah, let's let's take NBADraft.net with a grain of salt. Grain of salt. <laughs> The best thing that they do is that it's always a 60-pick mock yes. draft. And until about three days before the draft, it's impossible to find a 60-pick yes, mock that draft. Is, that is very true. So Yeah, I've got some questions. And we're also that. 363 days, 6 <laughs> hours and 41 minutes from from the 2023 NBA draft. So it's not a big deal. Um, but either way, even if he is, I mean, like, it's still Imani Bates at the very least. He, he, he will be in some capacity in an NBA organization. I am. Yeah. Pretty confident. All I'm saying that. is that's expecting an incredible jump like the one his brother made from Chris Murray. <laughs> yes, <laughs> very much so. But hey, sometimes it pays to have the last name. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk about you know there are a lot of people who talk about Bronny James all the time, even though from a high school prospect perspective he's not especially special. But his name is Bronny James, so you know 
it can it can get you uh, it can get you uh, pretty far if you got the if you got the the last right name and following your brother who is just the fourth overall pick is is not is not unhelpful. Oh, and even better, this mock draft has him going to the same place. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes, see, 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 is the the biggest question is is seventh? Do you, do we really think that Sacramento is gonna have? They're gonna I'm be just six? confused by the numbers on the left side of this too. It's very strange. Yeah, well. you know what? Never mind. Forget everything we said about the 2023 mock draft. Anyways, um, that's all we got on the Big Ten. Yeah. And Amani Bates. Shout out to Amani Bates. I hope he does well. And also congratulations, Jalen Brunson. Never in a million years did I think he would be determining an entire franchise's offseason plan. But here we are. Moving heavens and earths. <laughs> to give more Multiple ones. Not heaven and earth. Heavens, heavens and, and earths. earths. $110 million. Good so for you, shout, man. Shouts to him. That's that. I mean, that's that's big time money. It's big time money for sure. Alrighty, uh, let's get out of here. Please subscribe to the Jay Podcast, Now Podcast, Spotify, and Google Podcast. Follow us on YouTube. Twitter and YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at Jay's for Days Pod. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and uh, we'll be back on Tuesday. Correct. That is the plan. Cool. We'll be back on Tuesday. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Jay's for Days Podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. We will see you later.